want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today joining us is Stephanie Natty Olson, founder of We Are Rosie. Let's jump in and get to know Stephanie. Stephanie, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. We are thrilled that you're here. And I absolutely love if the listeners to see what's going on with you right now. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's bright blue. You are in a really cool place right now. I'm under the sea, basically. <laughs> <laughs> under the sea with Stephanie Natty Olson. <laughs> well, well, thanks for hanging out with us. Stephanie, tell us a little bit about you before we talk about We Are Rosie. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up? Sure. So I am born and raised in Atlanta. And how I got here is, is pretty fascinating. So my father actually was raised in a refugee camp in Palestine and came to the States as a refugee in the 70s. Mm. He ran a red light and crashed into my mother's car. And that's how we met my mother. So, so oh. my mom is a farm girl from Nebraska and just had this really like fascinating upbringing. My parents are different religions, different races, born on different continents, speak different first languages, and have just, you know, had a hell of a time being raised in that family and have stayed in Atlanta most of my life going oh. to Georgia Tech and then entering the media industry. I want to talk some more about your family in a minute. And you mentioned the media industry. You have such great experience in media, and especially through important times in media as it was sort of evolving and companies were uh, transitioning into becoming more digital sort of ad businesses. How did you get started there? And how did you move into media from school? Yeah, so I had like 17 jobs in college. I had to pay my way through. And one of the jobs that I kind of finagled my way into was working at a radio station. I was like an intern, kind of account manager at Smooth Jazz in Atlanta. And I played up that experience on my resume well enough that Microsoft actually hired me as the first person they hired directly out of college into their advertising sales division. Mm -hmm. And it was at a time where their business was changing a lot and it was moving way more into the digital space. They actually had a big partnership with Facebook at the time. And I just was given this incredible opportunity to help shape their college hire program, but also to learn a ton about media. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely an interesting time. I mean, it was, it was old school. I was like asking people internally how many impressions we could get on this, <laughs> this, this particular page on this particular yeah. day and like putting it in a spreadsheet and like, you know, figuring out the CPM. I mean, it was, it was manual. <laughs> It seems crazy trying to figure out a CPM or <laughs> or a budget tied to impressions in the CPM, doesn't it, at the time? I earned my stripes. There you it, go. Was, I, it was wild times. I want to know who your favorite smooth jazz artist is. That's what I want to know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're really making me go back. Um, I'll, let's come back to that. There was okay, one we'll, guy we'll, that I did enjoy that we listened to a lot in the office. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Tell us a little bit about We Are Rosie. I want to know all about it. Yeah, so I started the company three years ago. And it is, you know, this company is like the fullest representation of who I am as a person, both with my background and coming from a refugee family and really always having my eyes and heart open to people who are overlooked and underestimated. And this incredible, you know, 12 year career I had in the marketing and advertising space prior to starting the company. 
And, you know, I had done all the things that you do as a first gen American where I was like, okay, I've got to create the change that, you know, my family's given me all this opportunity. I'm going to college. I'm going to get the job. I'm going to get the bigger job and the bigger job. And I did all of that. And I had such incredible success and it was a fun ride. And I really kind of reached the top at a young age and looked around and was like, is this it? Like, is this what I was working so hard for and why I didn't see my family and wasn't, you know, around when my daughters were babies. And I kind of had a little crisis and thought, what am I doing with all of this privilege that I have been given and all of this opportunity that my ancestors didn't have? And how can I do more with what I've been given to leave an impact on the world that will make me really proud and also create a better world for my daughters to live in? And, you know, I really did some soul searching. I quit my job. I was unemployed for the first time ever in my life, probably since I was 14. I'm, it sounds really dorky, but I made a list of the things that mattered to me and the challenges that I was seeing in the advertising industry as a whole and found the white space and started We Are Rosie. And really the business exists to capture all of the talent that has been kind of marginalized out of our industry by the way that we insist work happens, which is Mm. in office, nine to five, in a major market, most often in organizations that are not diverse. And I thought, I want to create a home for all of these corporate refugees, as I was calling them at the time, and connect them to opportunity to have a career that's really meaningful for them and fulfilling, but also treats them with the dignity and respect that I believe everybody deserves. And so I started We Are Rosie to facilitate that connection of talent to opportunity. Stephanie, I want to I want to ask you over the last 15 months or so, right, as everyone has been forced to work from home, has that made it easier for you or more difficult? I would imagine maybe a little bit of both, but just because of what you just said in terms of like not having to be in the office and, you know, being able to maybe promote talent in different areas of the country or the world. I'm curious to, to know how that's impacted the business. Yeah, it's such a good question. So before COVID, 90% of the work that we were doing at We Are Rosie was remote. Like remote was just a foundational tenet of what we were doing. And in fact, the last business meeting I've, I've traveled for, which was, oh my gosh, like whenever, 15 months ago, was actually to go see clients, big brands based in Seattle. And the entire conversation that I was having with their marketing leadership team was, you cannot say that you want a world-class marketing organization in one breath and in the next say, and everybody has to live in Seattle. Look around Seattle, right? Is this representative of the type of talent that you want in your organization? Is this city representative of your consumers? And I was really pushing, you know, the envelope on remote work as inclusion. And you cannot have a truly inclusive organization if you are requiring everybody to be in office. And I was trying to expand people's minds Mm. to really like question some of these assumptions that we've made about how work has to happen. Like, what does it mean for people who have disabilities if you insist on in office work? What does it mean for people who have PTSD. I mean, we have war veterans who are members of the We Are Rosie community who who cannot go into an office, right? And they've got really legitimate reasons. So we want these people in the workforce and we want them participating, but we've created this structure that kind of keeps them out. And so I will say, given the, the experience we've all had collectively over the last 15 months, those conversations have gotten a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And the conversation has shifted from, you should really give this a try to... 
you have given this a try. It is not as complicated as you have been telling yourself it is for the last you know, couple of decades. And you now have an opportunity laid at your feet to create meaningful change for inclusion within your organization based on kind of reimagining the way work happens within your org. That's amazing. Stephanie, I want to ask you about something you talked about earlier with your family and your parents sort of coming from two different worlds. And then as your family came together, you grew up in a sort of unique way. How do you think that shaped and impacted who you are today? Yeah, I mean, it has shaped every aspect of me. You know, I'm the only uh, child in my family. I've one, I'm one of three. I'm the only child in my family with an American name. So my brother and sister have very Arabic Muslim names. And while we all kind of look the same, kind of ethnically ambiguous, they've had a much different experience than I have. And I was uh, acutely aware of that just existing in my family. You know, I saw how people were hesitant to say my sister's name or how Mm -hmm. teachers wouldn't call on her or at the doctor's office, they wouldn't even try to call her name, you know, and just like the microaggressions that were happening just because of their names, right? Mm -hmm. And then even further with my father, who has a third grade education and is one of the most brilliant people I've ever encountered in my entire life. You know, he dropped out of school and became a tailor when he was nine to help support his family while they were in the refugee camps. And I just have seen how talent is evenly distributed, as they say, but opportunity is not. And I've had a chip on my shoulder about that, right? Like what, like my dad is smarter than I am. He is more clever and more personable and all of these incredible things, but he's just had a very different life experience than I have. And so I think that, you know, growing up in a family where me, my brother and my sister are the first people to go to college, it's just given me such an acute recognition of the privilege that exists in this world of how certain people are cast off kind of from the jump and how there are ways to incorporate everybody into an experience to really make it so much better. Like inclusion and diversity is just, it's just life for me. It's just been my family. And so it's never really been a question of like, should we do this? It's just, why aren't we doing this? Like, this is what makes the most sense. Of course, this is how we should be doing it. Mm-hmm. And and Stephanie, earlier you talked about your career journey being in the media industry and quitting your job to then start We Are Rosie. And I'm curious to hear from you, what have you learned about yourself from being a founder and then running your own company? Man, a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, broad strokes, I think I am much more capable than I had given myself credit for, for a really long time. I think I probably by nature of my upbringing and and kind of how I've existed in the world, have had a lot of imposter syndrome that I've had to shed over the last three years in order for this business to reach its fullest potential. I realized that like I'm much more creative than I thought. So I went to Georgia Tech in Atlanta. I, w- I went to be a biomedical engineer. And that was my major for two years. And then I was like, this is not the life for me. And I I switched over to a business management major. But I had always just had this very like kind of tech is not for creative people. Tech is for people that like math. And so that was one of the stories that I had told myself forever. And it wasn't until I started this company and literally created something out of my brain that is now, you know, serving over 7,000 independent marketers that I really was able to take a step back and say like, 
I am creative. Like I am breathing life into something that didn't exist before. And it's really opened up my spirit in so many ways to get to express myself creatively versus putting myself in this box of like, you're a numbers person, you do math things, you know? So it's just been really eye-opening for me. And have you seen companies approach inclusivity differently over the last 15 months or so? And and the reason why I ask that question is, is obviously the last 15 months have been you know, like no other 15 months ever before, right? For so many different reasons in the US, right? And there's been obviously a lot of conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and and companies talking a lot about the things that they should be doing and what they want to try. And I'm I'm curious, as someone who is, is speaking to these organizations, talking about remote work is inclusion, I'm curious to know if you're starting to see sort of that mindset change within organizations. Yeah, we really are in a lot of instances. And I'm not going to say in every instance, Mm -hmm, right? There's mm -hmm. definitely a lot of lip service as we would expect. And PR, you know, glad handing that's not quite, you know, fulfilling behind the scenes. But I think there are some big trends that we're seeing that are really interesting. And I think it goes back to what I was talking about earlier, where brands are really using this moment to just reimagine everything. Like we kind of have been dealt a clean slate, Mm -hmm. right? Like what are all the excuses that we've made over time that we can kind of cast aside now and really make meaningful change? And I'll point to like the fact that Microsoft and Google are opening offices here in Atlanta now. And they're like expressly stating, this is because we want more diverse talent and we want to have a more inclusive organization and we need to go where the talent is instead of asking them to come to us and to really consider the sacrifice that we're asking people to make when we're asking them to move to a town where culturally they don't have a community. And so I think like that's a really great example. And the fact that they're really like, they're just saying, this is why we're doing it. And I think there's a lot of brands, to your point, Corral, that are really interested in trying new things. Like They're just like, listen, the ground has been leveled. We get to rebuild now. What are different things we can try? And we've seen a lot of brands who are thinking about how they can get work done differently, which you know obviously is where we sit. And these are the conversations we're having. But they're saying like, how can we, you know, reconsider the way that we're deploying our marketing budgets even? Who are our partners? What does our supply chain look like? How are they operating? Do they align with the values that we have or even the values we aspire to? And how do we get really serious about who we're allowing a seat at the table? So I think that there's definitely a lot of consideration happening. We always want to see it happen faster and more. But I think that, you know, listen, I think people are... Some companies are really sincere and some really big companies are really sincere. And you know where the money is, the change will happen. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Stephanie, I, I want to ask you about your experience. And, you know, you've worked for a lot of different companies. And as a woman, you know, surely you've you've had to handle issues of discrimination at some point. I want to ask you about when faced with them, how did you handle those? What are some ways that you can pass along to others that will also experience the same things and sometimes even different versions of that same thing? Yeah, I wish I had a better answer for this because in reflection, I didn't handle it well. Hmm. So my kind of, and I think this comes from like this immigrant's mentality I inherited from my father was just, if I'm disrespected or underestimated, I will outwork everybody around me so that people will leave me alone. And I, I talk about this a lot. Like my life pre We Are Rosie was just, I will outwork everybody in my vicinity so that I will get left alone. 
That was like my entire objective. <laughs> Just leave me alone. Like I will make you so much money. I will, you know, go above and beyond on all of my goals just so I can be left alone. And that was kind of, I was an overachiever to kind of like ward off all of that. And I think a lot of people fall into that trap too, where you just like constantly have to do the most to have a seat at the table and to be respected. It's exhausting. It's really exhausting. It takes a toll. I mean, there was a time in my career where I I had ulcers from work. You know, this was before I, I had children even. And then there was a time where I encountered, you know, really direct sexism at work. I mean, just super blatant, all the stuff that you hear about in kind of tech companies. And it was brutal. And it was the first time in my life I started working with a coach because my knee-jerk reaction was, I'll just work harder. And then if they respect me, they'll stop doing this, which of course was not the case. But it was kind of the narrative that I had, had told myself, I can always outwork the system. And I didn't outwork the system. I was depressed. I gained 50 pounds. I cried every Sunday before I had to go to work. My husband was begging me to quit my job for a year. And it really took a toll on me. Physically, emotionally, it impacted my children. It impacted how I showed up as a mom, as a friend, as a family member. Um, and it was rough. Bit, Stephanie, I, I want to ask you a little bit more about that because we are rosy. There's a special reason why you have Rosie in the name of your company. Can you talk to us about how that impacted you as a mother? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, it was an experience for me personally that was necessary. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know as painful as it was, I, I there's a saying, the pain is the portal, which is something I love so much. Because as painful as that moment was, it was the portal to my own greatness and my own kind of transformation. And I, I needed that kick in the ass. Like, mm -hmm. the, I feel like the universe was just like, I'm going to keep getting louder for you. Right. So you are just so uncomfortable. You've got to go do something else with your life. And when I quit my job, it was the, the scariest thing I'd ever done. I was a complete wreck, you know, physically, emotionally. And I knew that when I started this company, it would be really scary and really hard. I was committed to bootstrapping it too. Yeah. And so I kind of had no, you know, no misconceptions about what this was going to entail. And I wanted the company to have a name that would remind me why I'm doing it. So I named the business after my youngest daughter. Her name's Margot Rosie. And she was just a baby when I started it. She was two. And I wanted to always have something to point to on the hard days of like, Steph, there's a reason you're doing this. And if you are successful in your mission at We Are Rosie, your children and their children and everybody's children is going to have a better opportunity to work in a way that aligns their career with the way they want to live their lives. Now, Stephanie, how, how many kids do you have? I have two. Two oh daughters. boy, the other one's got to be jealous that she oh my doesn't gosh. have a company named after her. <laughs> it's really a thing. It's really a thing. I, like we're gonna name our tech after her because it's like it's like legit a problem now. They were so little when I did it, and I just didn't think about it. I was like, it goes, and the URL is available. Like, let's do it. And now my <laughs> other daughter is like, wait a second, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. What do you want? <laughs> I know we're all parents on this podcast, so we we know we know. We Brainstorm after this. Yeah. How yeah. I'm going to make it up to her. That's awesome. You know, early on, you couldn't see that you'd be, you know, 2020 ad age visionary of the year. No way. 2020 ad we creative hundreds list, right? What's that no. feel like? What's that feel like once you now have that? And what do you do with that then afterwards? Yeah, it feels surreal, you know, to be honest. Like, I'm a media salesperson. I've never worked at an agency. 
Like I've never worked at a consultancy. And it is surreal. It is such an honor, honestly, to be recognized in this way. But for me, it's just more privilege that I get to have and use to influence the world to look more like the way I want it to look. So I'm really determined to, as I rack up these accolades and recognition and influence, like to use it in a way to support others and continue lifting up other people, which is a gift. Excellent. Well, congratulations to you because uh, Eric and I love to see when people get recognized for, for the hard work that they do. Thank you. Yep, yep, absolutely. So going back to being a, a parent for a second here, as well as a founder of your own company, got to ask you, what does work-life balance look like these days? Whew, um, I don't exactly. have work-life balance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going to be really honest with y'all. There is no work-life balance. And it's funny, when I started the company, my husband and I sat down, his name's Eric too. And we we had a team meeting and I said, listen, you know, I don't do anything half-ass. This business is calling me, right? Like it feels like an obligation. It doesn't feel like a choice. Like I just have... It's a compulsion. I have to go build this thing. I see it. I want to make it a reality. And I said, it's going to be really hard. And I, I knew that because I had worked at some startups. So like I had worked at Flurry, which sold to Yahoo. Like I had worked at AOL when they were acquiring startups all the time. And so like I kind of, you know was adjacent to startups and inside startups throughout kind of the back half of my career. It's not easy. It's a grind. It's a grind even if you have VC pouring in the in the windows. And so Eric and I sat down and I said, I'm going to be MIA for like 2 years. Like this is what I'm imagining it's going to take to get this thing up and running enough that like I'm not driving the ship. And MIA for 2 years and we got real specific means I can't take the kids to doctor's appointments. Mm -hmm. I do not want to be the one that the teachers call. Like all of that responsibility that traditionally falls on women, I'm out. Like I'm out for two years. And he said, Steph, I've got you. Go do it. And he sure as hell has had me. Like that's, it has uh, been. That's because he's an Eric with a K. So shout out to all the Eric's is. with a K. They're amazing. <laughs> They're better than the Eric's with C's. <laughs> no contest. No contest. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's been intense. You know, we're three years old now, and I'm definitely starting to pull my head up, which is like also kind of surreal. Like I'm like. You know, I tell people there was this moment six, like probably six months ago, where I realized like there was definitely a time in this business where if I got involved in something, it moved way faster. Like it just mm. expedited everything. It was more efficient. Things were cruising. And now if I get involved in the day to day of the business, like I slow everything down. Like I am mm. messing people up. I don't know the process. I don't, I don't know the tools. Like I have hired so many smart people to work here that they have just made this thing a machine. And I really get to focus on the vision and the mission of the company versus like doing the doing every day, which has been a big transition for me. Actually, it's, it's occurred during COVID and it's been... It's a beautiful thing. So I'm starting to get back into more of a work-life integration, mm-hmm. I'll say, versus just like 80% work and 20% life. So I'm getting there. Gotcha. You brought up the mission and vision of the company. And what does the next 12 to 15 months look like for We Are Rosie? Yeah. I mean, so we work with 20 Fortune 500 brands, which is incredible as a bootstrapped three-year-old company. And we've proven our value. So we were telling the story. We built this flex talent solution and you should come to us and you can get your work done in a more agile way. And people were like, oh, this is like interesting. I've never done this before. Like, let me try it out. 
And now everybody's tried it and they love it. So we're really focused for the next 12 to 15 months on scaling enterprise partnerships. So like my goal is the way that every CMO has an agency of record, that they are going to have a flex talent solution of record and that it's We Are Rosie. And that they do strategic planning with us in mind, that they're setting aside budget for projects that Rosies can do, which is what we call our consultants. And that we're able to plug in talent and teams of talent to augment organizations and really, again, create more access both for the brands and for the talent. I want to ask you about folks that have, that have helped you along the way. Mentors might be too far, or maybe they are mentors. But tell us about some folks in, in, in your life that have helped you along the way in your career and in life. They could be family and they could be coworkers or anybody you work with. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of them. I'm not shy about asking for help. And the first person I have to say is my dad, right? Like he taught me the value of hard work more than anything else. Like he worked at Brooks Brothers for 25 years when I was a kid as a tailor and like used to come to my softball games at nine o'clock at night, like in a three-piece suit, you know, like cheering me on. And I like will never forget that. But he always taught me like you have to work hard for things, you know? And like it's really important that you that you work hard, but also that you act with integrity. And on that note, like my mom, right? Like she didn't go to college. And instead of sending me to summer camp in the summers, my mom would just take me to work with her. So she worked at this company called Digital Equipment, which was like a computer server manufacturer that sold to HP, I think, back in the day. But I like I started working. <laughs> like I was her intern when I was 12. And so I loved it though. I was like, I don't want to go to summer camp. I want to like hang out at Digital Equipment Corporation. This is like where it's at. And so they have just been such huge influences for me and people that while they haven't always been able to relate to my experiences in corporate America and my entrepreneurial journey are people that I can always count on to keep me grounded and give me advice and make sure that I'm staying focused. In terms of kind of industry peeps, like there has been a wide variety of people. Someone I'll mention by name is Lisa Uchschneider, who's the CEO of IAS now. So she was actually running that college hire program at Microsoft when I graduated from college. And I think I was the only non-Ivy League person that they hired for that program. And she took a bet on me and gave me an opportunity that completely changed my life. And those are, you know, you like think back on these moments where you're like, damn, like that really changed my life. Like that one thing, that one person or encounter, mm-hmm. that was one of them for me, especially because in that moment, you know, Microsoft had never hired anybody directly out of college and they were reconsidering their workforce. They were saying, oh, maybe we should hire people directly out of college. Why do we, you know, make it so that you can only do this job with like, six years of experience. And that was like so in line with my kind of rebel thinking that I love to do of like, yeah, why do we do things this way? Like, how could it be better? And so that experience definitely changed my life. And Lisa was was really important in that. And then I'll say, since I've started We Are Rosie, there has been a group of female CMOs who have just knocked down walls for us. And they have believed in us from the jump. And I was totally punching above my weight at the beginning when I got introduced to them. And they have just opened doors for me. They have given me incredible advice. They have helped me navigate their own organizations. They've like gone and talked to the procurement team themselves. I mean, really, really sincere, thoughtful allyship from those women, which has been a beautiful thing for us. And I consider all of them mentors and and friends and the last group I'll say is just 
all these people I work with every day, right? Like all of the people at We Are Rosie, like every single person here is a mentor to me. I learn from all of them. I don't care what level they're at or how many years of experience they have. They're attracted to the business because of the mission. And there's so much I can learn from them regardless of, of what their, their background or work experience is. That's awesome. What's connecting you to inspiration these days? Is it tell us about some stuff you're reading or watching or listening to, or maybe it's family? Like, where are you drawing inspiration from these days? Yeah, (laughs) all sorts of interesting places. I've been reading Brave New World Mm -hmm. by Eckhart Tolle for eight years now. My husband just called me on that. We were like, finally went on our first (laughs) vacation in a year and a half. And he was like, you've been reading that book since before we had kids. And I was like, that's not true. Like, definitely not. I've been reading this for like two years. And he pulled it up on Amazon and was like, you bought this eight years ago. (laughs) You know, that book has had a pretty profound impact on my life. And clearly, because I can't get through it. I had like read a few pages and then I need to like digest it for six months. But I definitely have found a spiritual desire in me since I started the company that didn't exist before. Religion was always a weird thing in my house. My dad's Muslim. My mom's Christian. We didn't really talk about it. Like it was just kind of like we just steer clear of that stuff. But I firmly believe three years into this entrepreneurial journey that like you cannot start a business and scale a successful business if you aren't on some kind of spiritual journey yourself Mm -hmm. to become the highest version of yourself. And so I think, you know, I've gotten into all the hippie stuff. I meditate. I read a lot of books. I work with a Reiki master. Like my business coach is a Reiki master. She's incredibly inspiring to me. And then also like just staying grounded in my roots, you know, with everything going on in Palestine right now. Like I have Mm -hmm. been glued to the news and I don't ever want to forget where I come from and the blood that pumps through my veins. And again, like the incredible privilege that I have to fulfill on my dreams that so many of my Palestinian brothers and sisters will not have. So important to always remember where you come from, where your family comes from and your background. So really, really thankful and glad that you, you stated that Stephanie really am. All right. Yes, definitely Mm -hmm. is. All right. Fun question. I, I love asking every guest that we always have on the podcast, which is to Tell us what the top three apps on your phone are that you use on a regular basis, but you can't name email, calendar, or text messaging. Oh my gosh. Okay. Can I say Slack? Yeah. I'm like just skirting by with that one. So Slack for sure, because we that's like a huge at We Are Rosie. We're on it constantly. Yeah. Twitter. So I wasn't on Twitter until after I started this company. And now it's like where I get all my news. It's how I know what's happening in the industry. So I am on Twitter all the time. And then probably the Calm app. So again, mm-hmm. going back to like all my hippie stuff, like I had 5 hours of calls today before we we hopped on. And I was so excited to meet you both. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm running like a lunatic. And I just did a little 10-minute meditation before I hopped on with you. And so I use it all the time in moments like that. Love That's it. awesome. Fantastic. Well, Stephanie, thank you for joining us. What a great time. And for a lot of our listeners, they like to reach out, stay in touch or follow you. What are some ways that they can do that? Yeah, you can meet me on Twitter, my favorite <laughs> social platform. There it is. So I'm at Stephanie N. Olson. Olson is O-L-S-O-N. And I'm pretty active on LinkedIn as well. And then you can follow We Are Rosie on all the social platforms. We're on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn too. 
thank you so much for sharing a lot with us. We talked about privilege and using it a lot of different ways for good. Talked about opening doors and taking chances on people, right? We talked about shedding feelings that may may not feel inherently okay and shedding some of that imposter syndrome. We talked about inspiration coming from a lot of places and never forgetting where you're from. Thanks again for joining us, Stephanie. And you can find more episodes of Minority Report podcasts where you find all of your audio and video. Just search for the logo, Minority Report Podcast. Thanks. Thank you.